Well, uh, <clears throat> good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley and uh, just to uh, thank all of those people that pledged last week during our multitude of shows down here at this fine radio station. You'll be getting something in the mail and of course you can still pledge at WCBN.org, the website. Fish around and look for the Donate button. And, of course, they've got details on possible premium that you may qualify for. And uh, listener support is crucial for the continuation of ongoing operations down here. Uh, Jim is off tonight. So this is a Dick Whaley solo show, and he's uh, basically on vacation, making his way back from Pennsylvania, which has a primary in uh, quite a number of weeks. Uh, might be one of the really key states in the 2020 election. Of course, last week we saw another chaotic caucus situation in Nevada. And I'd like to point out that Virginia, uh, which is a state voting next week, has about the same number of delegates at stake as Nevada, Iowa, and New Hampshire combined. So we're really early in the game. The last week I gave a kind of a hockey analogy about where this primary is at. And my goodness, they're still counting votes in Nevada, so I have no official idea, but I'll just speculate that Bernie Sanders currently is 2-0-1, Buttigieg is 1-0-2, and, and these last things are called overtime ties. So Buttigieg has got two points plus one win. He's got four points. Bernie's in fir first with five. Biden, believe it or not, is 0-1-2. He has two ties, but he only has two points because he hasn't actually won anything. And Warren and Klobuchar are basically 0-2-1. Elizabeth Warren is an interesting example, by the way, of, you know, sometimes candidates have bad luck. Uh, they had a de debate. Uh, I believe it was Wednesday night. I caught the second half of it. I saw a very interesting documentary about the PFAS uh, water problems uh, here in Michigan that focused mainly on Oscoda County up uh, near uh, Air Force Base owned by the United States Department of Defense that's been polluting the water for many decades. And uh, the water is uh, contaminated. Birth defects are resulting, cancer rates are soaring, and on and on and on. This was at the Michigan Theater, and if uh, I, I failed to bring in the name of the movie, but it uh, just got released. Great turnout there. There might have been a thousand people in the Michigan Theater because it was free, and it told a very compelling story. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, I saw the second half of the debate. And by that point, Bloomberg had kind of found his sea legs, as the saying goes. And I thought he actually was okay in the second half of the debate. But obviously, in the first half of the debate, he got 
sort of bombarded from a variety of sides. Elizabeth Warren was maybe the most aggressive, but she didn't actually benefit from the Nevada caucuses because they had the debate after the early voting. And uh, while I haven't seen any actual final numbers because they're still... I don't know what they're doing. It's it's like they can't even count on an abacus, I guess. I'd, it's just bizarre. But this is the ranked voting problem that the Sanders forces used uh, in uh, Iowa and Nevada in the caucuses, and they are clearly a disaster and are going to have to go permanently uh, in the future. Uh, so obviously Warren got very little benefit from the Nevada debate and the debate uh, tomorrow night, I believe it is, in South Carolina. This might be it. I mean, this is the debate before the South Carolina primary, which is this weekend. And then next week we got Super Tuesday. Uh, there's about 1,300 delegates up for grabs next Tuesday. So we'll know Wednesday morning, presumably, uh, because primaries are run by governments. By the state government, by county clerks. This is where you actually go into a voting booth and vote behind a screen or a curtain or whatever. And some states run elections quite efficiently and other states do not. Michigan actually is one of the better ones because we use primarily what are known as optical scanners that keep a paper Record. Uh, the interesting thing about the Michigan primary, which is 15 days away, it's March 10th, not that far away. And there's some other big states uh, that have primaries that day as well. Uh, there's been a big increase surge in absentee ballots. Uh, they changed the law here in Michigan that allow um absentee ballots to be given out without a cause. You used to have to go sign an affidavit. And by the way, I think that did prevent a lot of potential fraud. So while it is going to enhance the ability to vote, uh, absentee ballots are known sometimes to be um, subject to fraud, as we saw in the infamous North Carolina congressional district uh, many months ago. State of North Carolina, by the way, invalidated the results of that election. Um, so, and the funny thing was, was of course the person committing the fraud was a Republican. Well, we hear endless things about all this fraud from the Democrats. Well, what's going to happen going forward? I don't know. I would say that Klobuchar and Steyer are on their last legs. Uh, I'll be amazed if either one of them survives uh, Super Tuesday. Warren is a very interesting case uh, because I think the key for Bloomberg winning the Democratic nomination, assuming that he uh, does well next week on Super Tuesday, because remember, he's not on the ballot in South Carolina, but he will be in the debate tomorrow night, um, is that she blocks some of Bernie Sanders' support. And if she gets this bump in the polls uh, that is yet to be proven, she did get a bump in fundraising, uh, which is keeping her in the race. Uh, 
She desperately needs to get Klobuchar out of the race and then go after Buttigieg. And he's another candidate who may be, uh, his days may be numbered. We'll see. He's got a kind of a quirky group of support in some states. Uh, He, by the way, benefited heavily from the impeachment hearings that uh, meant that uh, Bennett, Klobuchar, Warren, and Sanders uh, were in Washington, and he pretty much had the state to himself because Biden <laughs> knew that he wasn't going to do well in Iowa. I also want to give Joe Biden a brain damage award for his blunder in New Hampshire. Uh, I don't quite understand why you would announce <laughs> that you're <laughs> leaving the state before the polls have closed. Um, I actually think that helped Klobuchar. Uh, news travels fast in this country, sometimes too fast, which is why we have hysteria about coronaviruses. and uh, you, know, you could go on and on. Stock market panics, uh, disproportionate focus on celebrity news. I mean, information just gets thrown out there. WikiLeaks, you know, they're back in the news. Um, But why would you announce that you're going to South Carolina before the polls close? I mean, a lot of people in America vote after they go to work. (laughs) The polls stay open till 8, and that information uh, pops up on your cell phone. You may be standing in line literally and go, well, to hell with Joe Biden. I'm going to vote for Klobuchar. So he probably actually lost votes in New Hampshire with that clumsy move. And that's what he really is susceptible to. He seems to be just a clumsy guy. Um, I wouldn't count him out, obviously. Uh, South Carolina is do or die for him. He he simply has to win the state or uh, forget about it, I would say. But let's remember this is like a baseball season as well. And this is kind of like a three-game series. Bernie Sanders played at home. You know, the Boston Red Sox famously have played well at home over the years in Boston because of the Green Monster. And they know how the ball bounces off the wall. And they sort of tailor their team for the Green Monster. And uh, so they, they always have a very good home record. And I would say that Bernie Sanders has had three home games for a variety of reasons. And uh, next week will be time for the big boys. As for the attacks on Bloomberg, I think that he um, has uh, survived them. Uh, He's already come out and said that he's willing to have the three non-disclosure agreements uh, released if the women want to come out and talk about it. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I think it's a kind of a... A minor issue. The stop and frisk stuff is way more serious. Uh, On that, I guess what I'll just say is the police aggressive tactics in in situations like that, they clearly had a racist uh, element uh, and were uh, eventually ruled uh, in violation of the United States Constitution. Uh, I guess two adages apply here. The police don't enforce the law. They are the law. (laughs) heard that saying. And how about give them an inch and they will take a mile. So stop and frisk is a uh, classic example of uh, 
potential police abuse. And uh, that's all we need to say about it. As for the effectiveness of, of arrests and convictions and all that stuff, look, our country needs to start looking at the factual way our criminal justice system works. We have all kinds of injustices for numerous reasons. I would start singing uh, Humble Pie's 30 Days in the Hole in honor of Roger Stone, but I guess I'll wait and maybe introduce Jerry's show later tonight with uh, 40 months in the hole. Of course, Harvey Weinstein was convicted today. Uh, he's been ordered to jail, by the way, and there are other upcoming trials uh, that he's going to have to endure. He was acquitted on some of the charges, but I think the overwhelming uh, notion that he is somehow not guilty uh, has been exposed as false. Aggressive police tactics, of course. Bloomberg defended these uh, um, stop and frisk as a police policy for many years. This was introduced, by the way, by the police commissioner. Uh, I think his name is Raymond Kelly. No, I remember his last name is Raymond. And we saw uh, our president uh, pardon Bernard Carrick. He used to be the police commissioner. And he was a crook. And... Uh, he pled guilty, uh, by the way, to his uh, crimes that he was going to be charged with. Trump commuted his sentence, but he pled guilty. I mean, he admitted that he broke the law. So the Carrick uh, commutation a couple of weeks ago was one of the more outrageous things that Trump did uh, before he uh, zipped out of town uh, yesterday to go to this absolutely bizarre uh, political rally in India, of all places. Trump has got mental problems. Uh, look at what is going on in the world just this weekend. We have a genocide developing in northwest Syria. We're talking about 800,000 to 900,000 civilian refugees that are freezing to death, starving to death, and may well be shot or bombed by Assad and the man that uh, Donald Trump turned Syria over to, uh, Vladimir Putin. And what is the world focused on? Uh, whether or not we got 200 cases of coronavirus in in uh, northern Italy or, or uh, you know, have two people died or, or what is the story? And there's all this hysteria about it. And tr trust me, I mean, it's a serious situation, but it is not eminent genocide <laughs> uh, as we're witnessing in Syria. And the world is standing by watching this continue. Russia is, I don't know what they're doing. They obviously are, are propping up Assad. And Assad is a term determined and has successfully turned Syria into rubble. And, of course, Erdogan is blocking the border uh, because Turkey has legitimately uh, taken in over three million refugees from the ongoing war in Syria. So remember that the Saudis, our allies in the Middle East, back bankrolled 
and supported these rebel groups uh, to try and overthrow Assad. So that's kept the war going. So America's hands are hardly clean in this Syrian disaster. And what is Donald Trump doing? He's going over to India to pat himself on the back. And, of course, Modi is another semi-totalitarian a dictator who is implementing racist policies that are in violation of international law uh, regarding uh, citizenship and, and discrimination and all this other stuff. How interesting that Modi built a wall over the last couple of weeks to hide the slums from Donald Trump's vision. And you have to wonder about the sanity of a a president that wants to go visit the Taj Mahal, which of course is a um, world historic uh, uh, site, a global treasure and all that, uh, sort of a glorification of the greatness of the Indian civilization, fine. But let's remember that his dinosaur casino that lost hundreds of millions of dollars in New Jersey was called the Taj Mahal. Um Bloomberg was not on the ballot, but I heard that he had a giant poster, a billboard on the strip that pointed out that Donald Trump, the only businessman in the world that can lose money running a casino. And, of course, the American economy is a bit of a casino under Trump. Uh, the Democrats need to start talking more about economics, the failure of the tariff policy and uh, the the skyrocketing deficit, and these wars that, that keep going on. But uh, unfortunately, they are mired in this, in my opinion, sociology debate about what is really going on. And, you know, let's discuss briefly Roger Stone. Uh, let's remember that Roger Stone was heavily involved in contacts with Russia. Uh, he... Uh, called and spoke with Guccifer too, the Russian hacker involved in the uh, emails. Trump, by the way, moved Rick Gates to the RNC during this period. And uh, as the author Craig Unger of the House of Putin notes, Roger Stone was, and I'm paraphrasing here, Roger Stone from his book called House of Putin, Roger Stone was exceedingly active in July and August, quote, delighting in the transgressions of the apparent chaos that was developing. Uh, Stone broadcast his complicity, appearing on the phone uh, off and on with Alex Jones. Alex Jones, of course, is the propaganda fabricator who claims that the mass shooting of the school in Newtown, Connecticut, was a hoax, a word that Donald Trump has been using repeatedly yet again. Uh, yet again. Uh, he says, I guess I'm the chief and law enforcement officer. That's what he said last week. And, of course, uh, the purges that are going on in the Justice Department and the Pentagon and the intelligence agencies continue Um I don't know how anybody would ever want to work for Donald Trump because he's uh, he's a double crosser, he's a liar, and he's a fool. So anyway, um, in April, by the way, appearing on Jones's show, Roger Stone quote predicted devastating revelations about the Clinton Foundation. 
noting that they would be forthcoming, quote-unquote. And then on the 21st of August, uh, Roger Stone tweeted, Trust me, it will soon be Podesta time in the barrel. Now, John Podesta was a high-ranking DNC official whose emails were linked uh, leaked on the 7th of October, uh, half an hour after the Hollywood video emerged as a breaking story, uh, in which, of course, Donald Trump pretty much bragged about physically groping women. We're not talking here about non-disclosure agreements involving uh, bad jokes or rudeness or whatever Michael Bloomberg's been accused of over a 30-year period. We are talking about criminal conduct by the President of the United States bragging about it. Um, The bottom line is Roger Stone made hundreds of calls on behalf of Donald Trump during the 2016 campaign. It seems that he was in a relative uh, close contact with both Julian Assange and Paul Manafort, and that's all you need to know. Now, another character from the Trump detritus of corruption and dishonesty is Michael Flynn. Uh, He's suddenly back in the news trying to get his, I guess, his guilty plea changed. I guess he wants a new trial or something. I'm a little unclear what exactly is going on. He uh, pled guilty and then began cooperating with the Mueller report. And I think after listening to Donald Trump talk about pardons and throw pardons around like nobody's business, and some of the pardons were legitimate. I don't really care about Michael Milken having his sentence commuted. commuted. He served his time 30 years ago, and uh, he's done a lot to make amends for his criminal conduct. Don't really care about Milken much, but uh, Bernard Carrick commutation uh, was particularly odious. And you're not going to see Donald Trump pardon Roger Stone, by the way, before the election, because that will pretty much confirm the cover-up. But getting back to Michael Flynn uh, for a while, uh, because he is really at the heart of uh, Donald Trump's problems. He keeps suggesting publicly that the Russian and Mueller probes were a witch hunt, a hoax, you know, the usual nonsense that Trump has has spoken about. And I would only point out that Roger Stone was yet another uh, success story of the Mueller investigation in terms of getting a conviction. Well, Michael Flynn has yet to answer, and Donald Trump has yet to answer, why he was in Russia in December of 2015 at a gala dinner celebrating Russian Today. Why was he there? And why was he at a table with Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate who was the margin of victory for Donald Trump in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania? Think about that one and ask yourself why we haven't heard Jill Stein Uh, be called to account for what she did or may have done in Russia. What's Donald Trump's explanation for that? What's Michael Flynn's explanation? He was sitting with her. Of course, his explanation would be what Donald Trump always says. 
I don't know him. He didn't know Prince Andrew. He didn't know Jeff Epstein. He didn't know Lev Parnas. It goes on and on and on. So Carrick, of course, was uh, exonerated because he was a Giuliani crony. He was the police commissioner under Giuliani uh, back when he was the mayor of human civilization, uh, New York City. Michael Flynn, of course, became the number one surrogate for the Trump campaign throughout 2016. And when Trump met Obama the day after the election uh, in 2016, he advised uh, Trump not to hire Flynn, telling him that he was a security risk and incompetent. Well, once Obama recommended to Trump that he not hired Michael Flynn, that pretty much guaranteed that Trump would hire him because that's how stupid Donald Trump is. And, of course, he likes to—his policies are all about trying to reverse what Obama did. And, of course, he's succeeded in some areas and failed in others. Obama noted that Trump, who was—or Flynn, who was briefly head of the DIA, had been fired for poor administration, uh, among other problems. Um, I think there might have been some other issues involving Michael Flynn's tenure there that have not fully been uh, discussed in public, so I'll just leave it at that. Michael Flynn, of course, also turned out to have been a lobbyist uh, for the Turkish government and had strange connections to both Russia and Turkey uh, and Ukraine, as well as Turkey. And then, of course, on the 29th of December, Obama announced sanctions on Russia for interfering in the 2016 election. This is before Donald Trump has actually been inaugurated. The media, of course, was reporting extensively on uh, uh, these connections between Russia and the 2016 election. Of course, it was all coming out too late. But anyway, Michael Flynn, um, about an Half an hour after the Obama uh, announcement about these sanctions, called Ambassador Kislyak, I think his first name is Sergey, who had attended the RNC back in uh, July at Cleveland in Cleveland, Ohio. Kislyak had been in contact with Jared Kushner and Jeff Sessions, amongst other peoples. Flynn assured Kislyak that the Trump administration would reverse uh, the the Obama uh, announcement and that Russia should publicly announce that they were not going to retaliate, which they did the next day, uh, in uh, <laughs> which they did the next day, uh, as Michael Flynn uh, conveyed this information to Kislyak, who obviously called uh, Putin on the subject. Um, of course, by Trump then hired Michael Flynn as national security advisor. He's had about four of them since. And one of them recently has been appearing as a, uh, a sort of a surrogate uh, on the talk shows because William Barr is uh, damaged goods, as they say. And Mike Pompeo uh, is globetrotting around the world, assuring every country in the world that America is uh, the greatest nation in the history of human civilization and that they should adhere to the Trump administration's uh, foreign policy agenda on every subject. 
That, of course, has failed virtually everywhere Pompeo has gone. But leaving his uh, failures aside, on the 26th of of, uh, 2017, Sally Yates, um, who was the acting attorney general, informed Don McGahn, Trump's uh, White House uh, attorney, so to speak, uh, that that Michael Flynn had lots of problems, that he was susceptible to blackmail because of these phone calls, and that he was lying to various administration officials about his connections and ties to Russia. The next day, of course, was the fatal day of Donald Trump's presidency. Uh, Of course, the famous thing that he did on the 27th of January 2017 was he threw the travel ban bombshell onto the public around 4.45 on Friday afternoon. But this was the day when Trump called in Comey, demanded loyalty, and eventually requested that Comey go easy on Flynn. Comey, of course, was testifying before Congress about the Russian meddling in the investigation, and Trump became enraged, realized that uh, James Comey was not going to play ball with Trump, so he fires James Comey, and then we have the special counsel investigation following that. That's the historical, those are the historical facts. And as for Roger Stone, 40 months in the hole, (laughs) humble pie, 40 months in the hole. Well, thanks to Andrew for engineering this evening. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next on WCBN, FM, and Arbor. Would you punch an old lady in the face? Oh, no. Do you listen to crappy music? Oh, no. Would you pledge your financial support to WCBN's annual fundraiser? Thank you for your calls and pledges of support during our recent fundraiser. Be sure to follow through and send out your payment when you receive notice from us in the mail. This will allow us to send you your lovely premia items. I just love 